0: This program is supported by Amgen. Amgen strives to serve patients by transforming the promise of science and biotechnology into therapies for patients with serious illnesses. Learn more at amgen.com. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Susan G. Komen will host their annual 2022 Advocacy Summit at the end of this month, culminating in a day of action on Wednesday, April 27th. The Advocacy Summit is Komen's only national advocacy event that provides advocates from across the country the opportunity to come together as one voice for those impacted by breast cancer. Advocates will hold hundreds of meetings with their congressional offices virtually and call on them to support our priority policies. Joining us today is John Skoblick, a Komen Leadership Council member and advocate whose daughter died of metastatic breast cancer at the age of 36. Before she died, Melissa was a staunch advocate for breast cancer patients, survivors, and anyone at risk of receiving a breast cancer diagnosis. John has continued on her legacy through his work with Komen and using his voice to advocate for policies that will help us save lives and put an end to breast cancer. John, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thank you for having me,
0: Adam. Well, I'm I'm really glad to have you. I know this is uh, a difficult topic, so let's let's kind of start easy uh, ish. When and how did you get involved with Susan G. Komen?
1: Yeah. Now, as you mentioned, uh, our daughter Melissa uh, passed away at the age of 36, and that was uh, November of 2019. And um, that following year uh, was a COVID year. And uh, I had lots of time on my hands, hands, and not a whole lot of things to do. So I was uh, thinking about, you know, the uh, this is the summer of two thousand twenty. I was thinking about, um, you know, remembering Melissa on the one year anniversary of her passing away. I'm not on on uh, Facebook or any social media, uh, but wanted to remember Melissa. And I am on on, on LinkedIn. For For professional purposes. And so I put a picture of Melissa and I um, from a banquet that we attended, a a breast cancer related banquet, and just posted, said, hey, this marks the one year anniversary of Melissa's passing. And uh, in order to honor a legacy, I have signed up for the 60 mile walk that's one year from now. Well, up until that point, you uh, know, I, I had a few posts on LinkedIn, and I'd get you know seventy or eighty views, and, you know, some comments, and a few you know likes, whatever the case might be. But uh, in this particular situation, I got twenty over twenty thousand views on LinkedIn, and and I was getting people were donating. Money, uh, sorry, to this cause. And I was getting uh, communications from people I've never met, uh, people, survivors going through it, uh, parents that had lost children to it. And uh, as you can imagine, it was uh, an incredible experience. So um, with that, my wife is very good friends with uh, Janine O'Deans, who's the executive director of uh, Susan G. Komen in Central Texas, which encompasses Austin, San Antonio. So um, they were going for a walk and I said, you know, maybe you mentioned to Janine that, you know, if there's some way I can get involved with Susan G. Komen in, in a more uh, formal way, I, I, I would certainly like to, to know if that's a possibility. So. She said, "You know, why? Why would? What motivates you to want to do this?" Although she knew the background of, of our daughter, obviously, and uh, then she said, uh, "Well, what are your your strengths? You know that you can bring to Coman?" And then the conversation ended pretty quickly on the on the strengths conversation. So, but uh, you know, long story short, um, uh, the Komen Leadership Council the uh, calendar is an April 1 uh, calendar year. So um, I joined the council this past April. And, um, and since then, I've been getting more and more involved with you know, the local walks and galas and that type
0: of thing. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad that you've, you've gotten that opportunity. And I think what you're doing is going to have a real impact. Um, so let's talk about your daughter for a minute, your daughter, Melissa. Had breast cancer. Can you talk about what her experience was like? Yeah, uh,
1: uh, Melissa was was, I mean, she was truly amazing. And and we were referred to her as sweet Melissa while she was living. So she was a, a very special person. She had um, she had actually counseled, um, she had a psychology background. So she was counseling um, patients going through radiation, primarily women going through. Uh, radiation for breast cancer for a period of time, and and uh, to kind of describe Melissa, I think there's three events uh, in her life uh, post um, being diagnosed with uh, breast cancer that that really uh, are impactful to me. Um, after she was diagnosed, and and um, she was asked to uh, participate in a luncheon, kickoff off luncheon. Um, at which he agreed to do. Well, uh, unbeknownst to her at the time, um, between the time she agreed to do it and her contracting uh, breast cancer, um, she was scheduled for a mastectomy. And the mastectomy was scheduled three days before the banquet, okay? Uh, and um, she was not going to miss that banquet. And uh, she was she was asked to speak at it, so she was one of the key speakers. So they they gave her numerous opportunities <laughs> to to back out, saying, "Hey, you know, can do you really think you can do this? This is three days after your mastectomy." She said, "I got dad I got to do this. I got to do this." So she uh, so she had a mastectomy and didn't really get out of bed for three days, other than to go to the restroom. So I I, uh, I picked her up uh and and um in use and went to the I said, look, if we if we need to like wheel you in or you need to like leave immediately after you present, but she was not going to be denied because she felt very strongly about this. So she also had kind of a like many people an aversion to public speaking and there was you know a news anchor there and kind of helped her along well. She uh she went on to describe her story and and uh you know Couple of standing ovations, and uh, there wasn't a, a dry eye in the room. Hearing their story of having two daughters, you know, one year old and three year old, and and uh, being being dealt with this, so just just remarkable uh, commitment. The second occurrence was uh, was after she she was cancer free for a year, and then was rediagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, and and uh, we were at MD Anderson uh, Cancer Center in Houston and in the recovery room and she had gotten gotten uh, out of surgery uh, for a liver biopsy it, it uh, they felt like it had gone into her liver at that point in time and uh, so we're sitting there and, and she had she had gotten nauseous from the uh, anesthesia and um, she's hooked up to you know monitors and tubes and that kind of thing and And her mobile phone vibrates, and she looks at it, and she said, I have to take this. This is a patient of mine. And she spoke to this patient for like 25 minutes and never mentioned her situation. Like, like, you know, can I call you some other time? I'm, I'm in a, none of that. And to me, that was like her selflessness, right? I mean, and, and and for what she provided, that counseling, that emotional and uh, mental counseling, there, there's uh, there's no out-of-office uh, return responses, right? I, I mean, so she felt like that that was more important, important that she speak to her patient than what she was going through. So again, just, just, a selfless, sweet girl. The, the The third thing, I think that speaks to to her tenacity. I mean, we call her sweet Melissa, but she never, ever gave up was um, on top, this is this was her last uh, year of life on on top of uh, being a full-time mom and a full-time owner of a you know, a counseling and full-time wife and part-time cancer survivor, she was working on her doctorate degree, uh, online doctorate degree. And on one of our trips, she said how important it was her uh, to one of our trips to the hospital and how important it was to her for her to complete her doctorate, to walk and get her doctorate degree. Well, a few months ago, like it was actually around the time of the Coleman Walk in November. I reached out to uh, 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 California Southern University, where she uh, was attending, and said, uh, I know our daughter was very close to to getting her degree, but I, d- I don't know how close. So they looked into it for a few weeks and and I called them back and they said, Melissa had completed all her credit hours required. Uh, she had uh, written a dissertation, her paper. And the only thing she was lacking was orals, the, the, the defense of her dissertation before a panel. Well, he said, we, we have the authority as a, as a university to waive that requirement. So a couple of months ago, uh, she received her doctorate posthumously. And, uh, and we hope that, you know, COVID permitting will be out in Costa Mesa attending commencement with her husband to little girls so the, the point of that is you know there's that country song that says like you know live like you, like you're dying and, and she always lived like she was living like like she wasn't going to she's going to get every moment at it to complete your doctorate degree with what she was going through it was just incredible but um
0: i could go on and
1: on But, but essentially uh, that that's
0: who Melissa was. Wow. I mean, she sounds just remarkable. I mean, just absolutely remarkable. I really appreciate you sharing those, you know, those three stories with us. Um, so I know that that we talked about how she was involved with advocacy, uh, around breast cancer. Are there any specific policy issues that Melissa was especially passionate about?
1: Well, uh, you know, access to care is like the, the the governing thing that she was obviously most concerned about, and 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 the cost associated with that, right? It's it's an access and 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 cost, but there there was a, a particular thing, and and uh, and uh, I, I found this morning uh, a post she had done on Facebook that my wife printed off because I'm not a Facebook. Person, but she says, um, I I have a family history of breast cancer. Know if you have a family history of it. If so, don't wait until 40 to get a mammogram. Get one as soon as you can. I'm 32. Get the BRCA test to see if you have the genes that make you more likely to get uh, breast cancer. So, um, I, I think her, the thing in particular for her and, and, and the visit she made was really the 40 and below family history. Like it, it may not be paid for your mammography, but, but like, like have it done and see if you possibly have the gene, uh, that your children will carry.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's so important. It's so important. And so thinking about your involvement, you know, you're now spending your time advocating. I I think I have a hunch as to why that is, but I'd love for you to talk about why it's important for you to speak out in support of these issues. Well, um, you're right. I mean,
1: uh, uh, a key driver, the the primary driver that got me started was, was, to in some way, continue Melissa's legacy of doing whatever she could to help uh, survivors and 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 the support group of of those survivors. so that 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 obviously is is very important and and uh, um, that that that's that's kind of it is that that's really. Uh, yeah. And not just for her me- legacy, but for everyone else that's impacted by
0: it. That's right. That's right. For the broader community, for the world. Yes. Um, yeah. That's right. So I know that uh, the the Coman Advocacy Summit is coming up. Let's talk about that for a minute. How are you feeling about participating? You know, uh,
1: it, 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 I, I frankly
0: I feel it's it's a heavy responsibility.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. I, I take it. Is that? I mean, I recently um, asked to be able to, uh, contribute in some way to the summit. And, uh, so I feel, uh, the responsibility to Melissa to, 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 uh, do what I can. And then also to, you know, the Susan G Komen foundation and their, their leaders and their employees that, that, um, I'm able to convey, um, something that, that, that creates a compelling argument for legislators to um, to approve of those uh, initiatives that, that we hold uh, dearly right now. I
0: well, think I think your story and Melissa's story is going to be pretty compelling. Um, so I think I think you'll you'll certainly make an impact. So, so as we're as we're thinking about these policies, what other policies can lawmakers implement to help us support and? In breast cancer,
1: uh, well, there the, the, uh, the, there are lots of ways uh, to do that, but the, the uh, Susan G. coma is focused really in in in, in th- on three initiatives, and and all these initiatives have a common theme of of uh, patient access to care, and then the underlying financial uh, resources that are required to uh, make that care possible. So. One, one of those is the access to breast cancer diagnosis. And um, what way things currently stand is most major medical plans will cover the cost of the mammography. OK, but to the extent um, it indicates that there's a need for further diagnostic testing, then that is not that is not covered. So that's. That's something that that just needs to be addressed. I mean, to this day, the greatest defense against uh, or for survival from metastatic breast cancer is early detection, and 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 that speaks clearly to that situation. Um, statistically, those who have mammograms, roughly 16% of those, uh, require some sort of uh, further diagnostic testing. That um, could create a uh, a hurdle or a financial burden to those impacted that that may have to make a decision between that and something uh, more they view maybe more essential to their uh,
0: living. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. I had no idea that that that, that was the case. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, uh, what What yeah. else? Uh, the, 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 there's another
1: one that that that's very important and and. Uh, you know, Melissa, to an extent, was uh, impacted by that, and that's the Metastatic Breast Cancer Access to Care Act. So right now, uh, there is a five-month waiting period for Social Security Disability Insurance. So uh, a patient going through these difficult times have to, has to wait five months to, to receive those benefits. The second component of that is there's a 24-month waiting period for Medicare. Um, and um, for, for patients living through metastatic breast cancer. So can you imagine, you know, going through everything you're going through, um, you may not have the financial resources and waiting roughly two, uh, two and a half years for, for financial support. So it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible situation that um, someone going through this has to wait that period
0: of time. Mm. Yeah, it's so tough. That's
1: wild. It's wild. Uh, the, the, the third initiative is a little bit different in that uh, it's the National Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program. And uh, it's different in that there there is a program, it's funding currently in place, but um, the goal is to, to get that reauthorized on an ongoing basis. Um, in, in particular, with, with the situation of COVID 19. There's been a lot of uh, people uh with breast cancer that have far, foregone various uh, medical care
0: right. appointments. yeah yeah absolutely so and it's so critical to get back in there and make sure that that everything's good right well john i mean those those are really important initiatives. I'm so glad that we have someone like you that's that's out there and advocating for this and and I know at the end of the show we'll talk about how we can all get involved uh, but In the meantime, as part of my last question here, what advice do you have for our listeners about the importance of becoming an advocate and using their voice for change?
1: In terms of uh, uh, becoming an advocate, um, I'll I'll use Melissa's words. Uh, She says, uh, be your own best health advocate and follow your intuition. It saved my life. I know I'm going through this to help others, and it has made my faith stronger than ever because of it. So, there, there, there's two advocacy issues here, right? There, there's there's the advocacy issue in terms of um, being an advocate for the for the organization and for all people at large, particularly in the legislative process. But I, I think Melissa's reminder is that for survivors listening and and their uh, support group, that you need to be an advocate for yourself. I mean, Melissa had to demonstrate that. She was told on, on four different occasions she didn't have breast cancer. She It was written off. She had met with um, a radiologist, had a mammogram. They said, don't worry about it, that um, it's just a fibroid. You just had a child a year ago. Don't worry about it. She went to her gynecologist and her gynecologist said, don't worry about it, it's, it's a fibroid. She had felt a, a lump in her lymph nodes. Um, she went to an oncologist who told her, a, a breast cancer surgeon who told her the same thing. It's, it, and then she had a bad feeling about it, and insisted on a biopsy and um, it had spread into her lymph nodes. So the story is, you know, for, don't wait till you're 40. If you have a family history, do whatever you can to get um, checked. And then even then during the process of if you are uh, diagnosed with breast cancer, you, you need to be your own advocate. And, mm. and family members need to advocate on behalf of their uh, family members that are impacted by it.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, be your own advocate. That's We've heard that so many times on the show. Be your, be your own advocate uh, trust your own instincts and, and advocate for yourself, you know? So, um, John, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 really appreciate you sharing your story. I appreciate you sharing Melissa's story. She sounds just phenomenal. Uh, and I appreciate you just letting us get a peek into the person that she was on the show today. Thank you, Adam. I'm, uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity. So John, thanks again. Um, for sharing your story with us, as well as for telling us how we can take action to help the lives of everyone at risk or touched by breast cancer. For listeners who would like to join John in action, you can text Coman 2022 that's Coman 2022 to 40649. You'll receive a text back with a link that will take you to our action page so you can become an advocate and let Capitol Hill hear your voice. Again, to get involved, text Coman 2022 to 40649. Thanks to Amgen for supporting this podcast. To learn more about Amgen's mission to serve patients with a cutting edge, science-based approach, follow Amgen Biotech on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.coman.org, And for more on breast cancer, visit Komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.